Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters. Earth Matters brings you environment and social justice stories. Today's story was produced in the studios of Radio 2XX, Canberra, on the lands of Ngunnawal and Ngambri peoples for Radio 3CR in Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm back, Horridge. Here we are, with extinctions at 10,000 times the rate of nature because of our human impact. And there is only one thing that will turn this around. And here is our obligation for all life on this planet, not just our own. And that is our God-given intelligence turning into action. Bob Brown with a Stoppadini convoy. We'll hear more from Bob and the convoy later in today's Earth Matters. Sydney Harbour Bridge was recently occupied by abseilers from Greenpeace, calling on the Australian government to declare a climate emergency and move to 100% renewable energy. This follows the declaration of a climate emergency by the United Kingdom Parliament, who responded to the Extinction Rebellion that saw thousands of people occupying the public space in the huge financial district of London, blocking roads and bridges for days. So many people were arrested, the police ran out of holding cells. Dozens of towns and cities across the United Kingdom have already declared a climate emergency. Britain joined Scotland and Wales in the declaration, and now Ireland has followed. Today on Earth Matters, we'll hear from an Extinction Rebellion participant in Australia, interviewed by Scotty Foster. So Extinction Rebellion, I I do tend to live with my head under a rock and I don't know what Extinction Rebellion is, although I've seen some headlines about it. What what is it? Well, basically, the way um, our world is heading, you know, we've we've got the damaged climate, we've got damaged oceans, we've got damaged water, pollution, extinction of species, you know, the ability for life as we know it to continue is doomed unless we take action. And what people are rebelling against is being made extinct. So we are rebelling against being made extinct. We're rebelling against life as we know it being made extinct. And um, people might may have also seen things like Rebel for Life. We're rebelling for our lives, for life to continue. Mm, that's interesting. So where did this, uh, where did this crop up? Uh, it started in the UK and um, they got going last year and it happened to, you know, the stuff that you've seen on the news happened to also coincide with the young Swede Greta Thunberg uh, and her climate strike that's really struck a chord and, um, you know, got school students out and about and they're making, between the two of them, are actually making a huge difference and we've seen that with what's happened in the UK. First of all, the school strikers got the attention of the politicians. They, the elected representatives in Britain started actually taking notice of them and thought, oh, well, maybe we better listen to them. And then Extinction Rebellion, which included a lot of school strikers, I think, closed down parts of London and that really grabbed attention. And so more, more of the members of the British Parliament started taking notice and they started talking about it in Parliament and out of that came a motion which both of the major parties supported and so just 
the day before yesterday. The UK became the first parliament, national parliament in the world to declare a climate and ecological emergency because that's what we're in. Wow, that's pretty uh, profound, really. I mean, I guess it's early days yet, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see if they actually take any action on it. Well, it's, it's a start. The, the first demand of Extinction Rebellion is that the government must tell the truth about the current situation. You know, in, here in Australia, we can see what's happening. We're experiencing, we can feel it. Our, our blast furnace that we had in summer, more and more severe bushfires, a longer fire season, incredible drought, um, massive storms and sea level rise and so on. And yet our governments are denying how urgent it is. People, talk to people on the street, they can see what's happening. Talk to gardeners, you know, things are flowering at the wrong time. Birds and ants, everything's, everything's up the pup, the balance is gone. But we know as soon as the government declares an emergency, a bushfire emergency, a flood emergency. Everybody just gets to work and works together. But we need that leadership to actually, somebody to actually say it is an emergency. So the government must tell the truth about how deadly our situation is. It must reverse all the policies and, and practices that aren't in alignment with actually turning, turning around the emergency situation that we're in. And the media must also communicate the, the urgency, so that the two have to work together. So we've got to have that this message about the urgency for change, and that also needs to include what individuals and communities can do. So one of the first, you know, there's a lot of people in our society that know what to do in an emergency. They've been trained. This is a slightly different one, it's a long emergency, and it will, will require new, new action. But a lot of the stuff we need to do, people are already doing it. It's just a matter of scale and also making things easy for people to make the changes. And there are some things that only governments can do. Only governments can put in place regulation. Only governments do, do things like make our roads and public transport and, you know, run our public schools and... and and so on and provide that leadership. So that's why it's so important that the government must tell the truth about the current situation. We are in this climate and ecological emergency and there shouldn't be any polit partisan politics in this. This is about our survival. We know it can be done because it has been done before. In the Second World War we were fighting for our survival and everybody pulled together. It was a bipartisan government and people worked together. They coped with tremendous change. They made tremendous change. And also had, they had a fantastic lot of fun working together. Mm -hmm. So over in the UK they've been at it for a while now. Um, what sort of tactics are they using to rebel? Rebellion sort of has connotations of a revolution really, doesn't it? Yep. And I um, guess revolution, if you listen to people like Malcolm X or Che Guevara or any of the actual real revolutionaries in the world, um, they were willing to pull out their gun and they would do it by any means necessary. Um, what's the sort of policy of Extinction Rebellion? Well, the, over, I guess the two main 
the two main things are absolute non-violence. This is not violent at all. There's no room for violence in anything that um, Extinction Rebellion does. It's peaceful, it's creative, it's fun. And in terms of what, you know, the specific things that we do, it's about jamming the system, if you like, to get the attention, to make people stop and take notice. Because you, you, only, you only take notice and start changing your thinking when something stops you, where you have to, you have to pay attention. You know, if you're, as Greta Thunberg says, you know, our, our house is on fire. When your house is on fire, you just don't keep on going with washing up the dishes and, you know, doing your homework and, you know, sitting down in front of TV. No, the fire grabs your attention and you do what you can to get out of it. This is what we need to do. We need to pay attention to what is actually happening and take appropriate action. And that's what it's about. So, so what you've seen in the UK where they closed down the major bridges in London. They closed down the financial district, the second biggest financial district in the world, grabbing attention. But there's been a whole heap of stuff that they've done over there, too much to mention. But uh, really made a difference and they occupied, they closed down central London to traffic for nearly five days and what happened was um, you know people were being arrested left right and centre, the police had never never had anything like it, they couldn't cope. They put out the message and people came and joined them. They also in one of the places they had a, a lovely uh, boat, a large you know decent sized boat, it was painted pink to help grab attention, there was lots of music, they turned one of the bridges into a community garden, pop-up community garden. <laughs> and people were able to walk across the bridge instead of having it full of cars and trucks and buses and, and so on. Yeah. Hmm, yeah, that's interesting. Really creative. Now, is this a state of emergency for the climate? Is, is that one of the main demands of the Extinction Rebellion? Yeah, it's, so we're in a, a climate and ecological emergency. Mm. We are, we are, we live, we only have one planet that we can live on. You know, people have been looking for a long time for other places, but the reality is we have one common home that we all live on. And humans have only survived and thrived in a pretty stable climate. We're now outside that. We are now in uncharted territory for human beings and for an awful lot of life as we know it. The Extinction Rebellion demands that governments tell the truth about the ecological crisis and declare our climate emergency. It asks for the creation of a war cabinet to plot the transition to zero carbon a huge-scale climate mobilisation for zero emissions and drawdown by 2025. To carry out this agenda, they call for participatory democracy. The actions in the UK make interesting conversation. My friend Robin was all over it. Did you see on YouTube the, the clip in British Parliament where recently a group of environmental extinction activists stripped down to um, just knickers, basically, men and women, 
and all of them turned their derrieres to the glass panels across the front of the gallery so that the politicians below could see what they thought about their inaction on climate emergencies and, of course... How did the politicians react? What happened? Well, one brave soul tried to give his paper while his colleagues were eyes were just shifting up to the gallery. Very funny to watch. Did they have anything written on their bodies? Well, they all had the symbol for Extinction Rebellion on their bodies somewhere and uh, a fight for life and fight for all life was written on mm. some of their <laughs> bums. Yeah, it was very funny. I certainly recommend a viewing. You'll get a chuckle. What do you think their bottom line was? Their bottom line? Now, that's a bit cheeky. On the 15th of April 2019, Extinction Rebellion activists occupied part of the International Criminal Court in The Hague, forming human chains before being arrested. And similar actions were organised by Extinction Rebellion groups in Berlin, Heidelberg, Brussels, Lausanne, Madrid, Denver and Melbourne. In New York City, an Extinction Rebellion group of 300 people gathered to demand that the City Council declare a climate emergency, with over 60 arrested after occupying the street. On Friday the 19th of April, Extinction Rebellion activists disrupted a coal railway line in Wynnum West, Brisbane. One jumped on top of the carriage and another activist chained herself to a concrete-filled 44-gallon drum placed on the railway line. We can't wait anymore. We're taking direct action so people understand the danger the planet is in, she said. On the 27th of April, more than 100 people staged a mass die-in in front of the steps of Flinders Street Station in Melbourne. This was to illustrate the die situation we face in Australia and globally and was in solidarity with other die-ins internationally. A giant bug sporting a We're Buggered sign to shine light on the huge loss of insect life over the last decade danced among the die-inners. But interviewer Scotty Foster wasn't convinced it's a good idea to give the government the extra powers of emergency. Here he is again interviewing an Extinction Rebellion participant. Yeah, so what what do you have in mind when you say a, declar- a state of emergency sort of thing? Because I, I know people like Donald Trump have been uh, casting about and really trying very hard to get a trigger to, to be able to call a state of emergency. And, and once you've called a state of emergency, then those who are in power have all sorts of unbelievable powers, which are absolutely frightening. I know Australia's been developing ours for decades. Um, Every time there's some sort of scare, they can uh, they can redo all the terror laws, and, and they can do astounding things. Right now, um, you can basically be disappeared legally now under the terror laws um, mm. on suspicion, and God knows what they could do under a state of emergency. So yeah, yeah, is a so there's been there's been people look at this. Um, and you know, an act to declare like a national state of emergency might only be half a page long, a few sentences long, saying something like, you know, the emergency is declared for as long as it takes, and the government has all powers that it needs to act. That's the scary bit. And so the third demand is actually not only declaring uh, um, a state of emergency. Um, 
and you know all that's all that's required to that. You know, similar to like what like in times of war, but we don't want to hand further power to our government. We're actually demanding a citizens' assembly to oversee the changes. Mm. And, and as we arrive from the record, and, and creating a democracy fit for the purpose, because part of the, part of the problem that's led us to the situation that we're in is that our system of governance is not working anymore. Notionally, we are a democracy, but our elected representatives are no longer representing us and acting in the best interests of us. And so, we, you know, a citizens' assembly is needed. That was Scotty Foster interviewing an Extinction Rebellion participant. You're with Earth Matters and I'm Beck Horridge. And now, here's some snippets from the Stop Adani convoy when it arrived in Canberra Parliament House after the epic journey from Hobart to Claremont in Queensland where Adani's mine is proposed. First, here's Jenny Weber. So I'm from the Bob Brown Foundation. We're a small but feisty organisation, but we have just made history together. We are very excited and very thankful for you to come out here to Canberra. We emerged from the ancient rainforest of Tekina, where we still have a blockade today that's been running for days and days and days. We went from the Tekina forest, those ancient rainforests that also need to be remaining intact as they are precious carbon stores. And we hit the road. 20 days ago, we uh, left Hobart and we travelled across five states and territories with many people who are in the crowd today. We are the Stopadani Convoy. With thousands of people, we rallied in Hobart, Melbourne, Albury-Wodonga, Sydney, Coffs Harbour and Mullumbimby. We marched the streets of Brisbane. We gathered in Yapoon and Early Beach with reef defenders. And then in central Queensland, we had the great honour to be welcomed and hosted on the country by the Wangan and Jangalingu Family Council. And we are forever indebted to those people who are defending their country and were willing to stand with us and accept us and stand in solidarity. So I would like to just say a very warm and enormous solidarity message to the Wangan Jangalingu people who had us on country in Claremont. And now, let's hear Bob Brown. We are part of this beautiful little planet, which so far as we know, is the only one amongst billions in this mind-defeating universe of ours, this cosmos, which has life, which has love, which has laughter, which has all that we human beings enfolded from the start, in the bag of possibilities of this universe, and now here, on this vibrant, beautiful little planet, and with it, in so far as our persistence on this planet is concerned, in our hands. There will be no divine intervention. It is up to us. The onus is ours, and we are going to take it. Here we are, this morning, with three and a half million people displaced by that destructive cyclone 
in India and Bangladesh. Here we are in the wake of those unprecedented floods in Townsville and this drought declared across two-thirds of Queensland and, west, and, and the west of New South Wales and more of the country. Here we are with the Great Barrier Reef half dead. Here we are with sea levels having risen 20 centimetres since I was a boy. And that now a battering ram against the coastlines right round the planet. With our ski fields melting, with the glaciers collapsing, with 90% of fisheries either dead or going backwards. Here we are with less arable land and every morning more mouths to feed. Here we are with extinctions at 10,000 times the rate of nature because of our human impact. And there is only one thing that will turn this around. And here is our obligation to all life on this planet, not just our own. And that is our God-given intelligence turning into action. Can you recognise that voice? It was, of course, Bob Brown. Worried about climate disruption? My 11-year-old niece recently asked me, what will happen to my grandchildren? I so wanted to have something positive to say, so I pledged to do all I can to turn the situation around. And I'm not the only one. Listen now to Steve Primrose, a science teacher, on the coalface of climate action in Queensland. So if we are honest, we must acknowledge that our political leaders are offering us no escape from the climate crisis that we face. And that's why I roll with frontline action on coal. Because at FLAC, we come peacefully, we stand peacefully, and we always will. But we are not here to live by unjust laws. When we know that we've already ended the sixth mass extinction of the Earth, when the scientific community is screaming at us that we face the collapse of our societies and ecological breakdown, when our young people see this, they know this, and they're begging us to act, to stand to protect this world for them... We must ask ourselves, are we honestly doing enough? Now, we here have all given a lot to this fight, but deep down we know we are not doing enough because we are not acting as if the house is on fire, even though we all know that it is. For the most part. Now, if you feel as I do, the thought of rebelling will leave you with another level of fear on top of what you already have for the climate crisis that we face. And I think that's good. Because sometimes in life, I look at what has become of our reality, my reality, and I see a monster standing in front of me. But I know it does no good to run, to run from that monster. I know that if I want to defeat it, if we want to defeat it, we must turn to face that monster we must welcome it, we must embrace that fear, we must take it and turn it into drive. For once we're motivated by our monsters, we become unstoppable. And this is where my presentation really changes from what I had to say at Claremont. Because this time, this is the first time in my life that I have spoken about the climate crisis with hope in my voice. But this time, I'm speaking to thousands of people and you all get it. You know what it takes. 
We're stepping up to that bastard together. We're facing it together and it feels good. We and all of those around this nation and this globe who stand together in solidarity with us, we are critical mass. We are the ones that we've been waiting for. And together, we can look that monster dead in the eyes and say, it's your turn to be afraid of us now. Because we are here together, we are strong, and we know what it takes to win. last few things I have for you. Extinction Rebellion, Frontline Action on Coal. See you on the streets. Thank you. And that was Steve Primrose speaking with the Stop Adani convoy when it arrived at Parliament House in Canberra on May the 5th, 2019. You've been listening to Earth Matters. This edition of Earth Matters was produced for Radio 3CR in Melbourne on Wiradjuri country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page on Earth Matters 3CR Radio or follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. If you'd like to listen to or share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. That's all for today's show. Thanks so much for sharing this time with us. The Earth Matters team will be back next week with more environmental and social justice stories from all over this beautiful blue planet. The backing track on today's Earth Matters has been Massive Attack's Hymn of the Big Wheel, which they played as DJ at the occupation of Marble Arch in London. Here it is. Look up at the blue